0: It is Friday, April 19th, here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Shop. With me as always, is Jared Smola, and today we are wrapping up our NFL Draft Prospect Preview Series. We started with the wide receivers, we hit the running backs last week. Now it's time to double up on the quarterbacks and tight ends, and Jared, uh, let's start with the QBs, because really, this shouldn't take long. It's pretty much Kyler Murray and everybody else.
1: Yeah, exactly. Not not a great class, um, and not not a class that I think is going
0: to make a, much of an immediate fantasy impact. No, but I do think that Kyler Murray is well set up to impact things right away, and potentially impact things consistently going forward. Um, the, the combo, the thing that gets me for him is the combo of the rushing upside, the rushing ability that he's already displayed and the accuracy. So just some recent, um, rookie quarterbacks that we've had who have delivered good fantasy value last year, of course, Baker Mayfield finished just QB 17 overall, but after the coaching change, he was a top 10 fantasy quarterback for us. Um, the year before Deshaun Watson only played seven games because of the injury, but Led all quarterbacks in fantasy points per game when he went down. Uh, 2016, Dak Prescott finished as a number seven fantasy QB. And 2015, Jameis Winston finished 13th overall. Had those six rushing touchdowns that year. That's become an outlier for him. But it's also what can often help a rookie or young quarterback deliver stronger than expected fantasy values, that rushing stuff. And and really the rushing upside can be easy to overlook, even for those who've been playing fantasy for a while.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's huge for quarterbacks. We talk about it all the time when we're talking about, you know, preseason rankings, uh, you know, weekly stuff. Um, And then the the nice thing about rookie quarterbacks, I mean, we we can talk about how all these guys are going to translate to the next level, but if you can run as a quarterback in college, you're very likely going to be able to, you know, produce on the ground as a pro.
0: Yeah, and Murray went just over 1,000 yards rushing last year. And and college stats include they take away um, sack yards from rushing yardage. So when a guy gets over 1,000 yards, he was doing even better than that. Lamar Jackson went over 1,000 yards a couple times at Louisville. Deshaun Watson had a season over 1,000 yards uh, at Clemson. Cam Newton for Auburn back in 2010. Colin Kaepernick did so three times at Nevada. And Vince Young twice at Texas. And those are the only guys – Since 2000, who have entered the NFL as viable starting candidates who had seasons of a thousand plus rushing yards in college beforehand, Dak Prescott fell just short uh, 986 in his second to last season there. Marcus Mariota never cracked 800 yards. RG3 was under 700 rushing yards each of his final two years. Tim Tebow never got up there. Michael Vick never cracked 700 yards in his two years at Virginia Tech. So those are some, you know, pretty noteworthy uh, recent Running quarterbacks and gives just a little bit more context to how good and how productive Kyler Murray has been with running the ball, even just his one season as a starter.
1: Right. I mean, he's really a unique prospect. I mean, I think the two best comparables I can make would be Lamar Jackson, and probably the best would be Michael Vick, just because Murray is smaller in in stature like Michael Vick was, but, you know, does have the elite athleticism. And we actually didn't get any measurables from, from Kyler Murray, but I mean, you, you watch him at Oklahoma last year, you know, he's an elite athlete and the the guy was also the ninth overall pick in the MLB draft um, this, this past season. So, you know, he, he,
0: he can, he, he can do it all. Yeah, and he can throw better than each of those quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick. I mean, not a stronger arm than Michael Vick, but up there in arm strength and ahead of those guys in accuracy, 69% completions last year. He finished second in the nation in passer rating, three-tenths of a point behind Tua Tagovailoa, um, and 24 points ahead of number three, Will Greer. uh, Led the nation in yards per attempt only three other players nationwide were within two yards of Kyler Murray's 11.6 yards per pass attempt. And only Dwayne Haskins and Tua threw more touchdown passes and Haskins had 156 more pass attempts. So again, it's that combo of the rushing and the terrific passing from Kyler Murray that makes it easier to overlook um, the height that is nearly unprecedented for an NFL quarterback and just love the, the tools and, and upside that he's bringing.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we know how good Baker Mayfield was in college. We know how good he was as a rookie last year. Kyler Murray's 2018 was... Almost as good as Baker Mayfield's final college season. Kyler Murray, forty three hundred sixty one yards. Um, Baker had forty six twenty seven. So you know about three hundred more. Kyler threw forty two touchdowns. Baker threw forty three. Like you mentioned, sixty nine percent completion rate for Kyler Murray. Baker Mayfield was at seventy and a half in two thousand seventeen. So you know he, he's essentially right there in the
0: same offense with a lot of the same skill position guys. So I think obviously Kyler Murray is the top fantasy quarterback heading in rookie draft wise for us at least. I would imagine that he is so on most rookie draft boards. Uh, the bigger question I think is where he fits overall. And normally a quarterback is not uh, there. There might there normally might be one quarterback fighting to get into the end of round one in rookie drafts, and normally that guy is not going to make it in. But for me, Kyler Murray is right in the middle of round one because you have all the stuff for him that we just talked about, we have a fairly weak running back class mm-hmm. and a fairly nebulous wide receiver class. I mean, we've, we've talked on here before about how we like the receivers better than the running backs, but there's also not a whole lot separating um, a bunch of the players and even a couple of the tiers where it's it, it can be easier to say, all right, I'll go ahead and take Kyler Murray here and I like the wide receiver that I'll probably get next round.
1: Yeah, and I I have Kyler Murray 15th in my pre-draft rankings overall, and the more I sit down and think about this, that might be too low, and I'm definitely willing to move him up into the top 10 after we see where all these guys land. Um, I mean, if Kyler Murray hits and is a successful NFL quarterback, he's going to be a perennial top five fantasy quarterback because of that rushing ability, Um, but I also think we need to bake in some of the risk with him, like you've mentioned, the size. Russell Wilson the shortest starting quarterback right now is 5'11. Kyler Murray's 5'10. I think at some point height has to matter. I'm not sure if it's 5'10, maybe 5'10 is going to be fine and it's, you know, 5'8 where a guy couldn't make it to the NFL. I, I just we don't know if Murray's height is going to be a real issue at the NFL level. Like we said, M- Murray has just one season as a college starter, so the resume is a bit limited. And again, he, you know, he has he has the baseball thing which I think adds some risk. Like if, if he is struggling in the NFL through his first three or four seasons, you know, he could easily kind of, you know, fall back to baseball and
0: be out of football for four to five years from now. Yeah. That would be an interesting scenario, especially if he just, if he just has like two tough seasons, I think right. none of us would be surprised if he comes in and has a, a challenging rookie year, but if he goes through a, a second year, maybe suffers an injury that's fairly significant. And that, that would be interesting to see if he did go ahead back to his other sport, that's uh, assuming that he stays healthy, assuming that he sticks to football. I think that what we're looking at is uh, like Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson territory. I think that's kind of like a spectrum of of the fantasy quarterback that Kyler Murray could be where he's yeah. efficient running the ball and efficient throwing the ball. Ca- you know, like I said before, capable of producing right away, even if he lands with a team like Arizona that doesn't really excite you with the skill position talent around them.
1: Yeah, and of course, I mean, the skill position talent can change very quickly. I mean, it, that could be a good pass catching core in three years. Um, I again, you know, I think Murray's upside extends beyond those guys you mentioned. You know, beyond Deshaun Watson, beyond um, Russell Wilson, because he is a better runner. I mean, he he could put up the type of Russian numbers we saw Lamar Jackson put up this past season, but I also think Murray looks like a better passer at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know how much more we can say really about Kyler Murray. We'll see exactly where he settles in our post-draft rankings. Do you have anything else on him before we move on?
1: No, I mean, and we'll, we'll talk about it, um, you know, post-draft, but I, I do think, you know, presumably landing with the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury, who's, you know, bringing this college-style offense to the NFL, I think that's going to help Murray's chances, you know, h- help his transition to the NFL.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I, I I don't know what to make of Cliff Kingsbury. I think that's a, a goofy hire. Either do I, but I think I, I almost think Kingsbury makes Murray
1: more likely to succeed and Murray makes Kingsbury more likely to succeed. I, I think it's a good match. It could definitely blow up. And you know, again, they could both be out of the league in four years, but I think I think it, it helps both of them.
0: Maybe Kingsbury can go coach baseball. <laughs> um so beyond Kyler Murray Who's the next quarterback on your board and where would you be willing to look at him in rookie drafts?
1: All right. So the next guy on my board is Dwayne Haskins, but he is way down at 29th overall. Um, you know, so we're talking round three of rookie drafts. I think Haskins has almost gone from overrated in like January, February to potentially underrated. Now, I mean, it sounds like he might not be the second quarterback off the board in next week's draft. Um, I think that the, con- the biggest concern with him from a real life perspective, at least is that he has just one year as a starter at Ohio state, but it was an, an awesome year, 4,800 passing yards, 50 touchdowns on a 70% completion rate um, fared well. in some of the uh, pro football focus metrics, he was fifth in this class in adjusted completion rate, which takes into account his, his depth of throws and drops um, by his receivers The the, biggest knock from a fantasy perspective that Haskins is not going to boost his value with rushing ability. Um, he ran for 108 yards only this past season um, registered a 13th percentile spark scores. So, you know, he, he, he's not a guy who's, who's going to give you more than hundred rushing yards per season as a pro. I don't think.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, the, the rest of this group is another reason why I'm taking Kyler Murray earlier, because if I don't get Kyler Murray, I might not take any of the rest of these guys before a rookie draft is done. I mean, I think that we're looking at the, – the class looks like uh, like Nick Foles would look good in this class <laughs> if we were coming out this year. I have Daniel Jones next on my list only because he can run the ball. 1,323 <laughs> yards rushing over three starting seasons at Duke, 17 rushing touchdowns. It, he's like a more accurate – and not quite as fast Josh Allen where I think if Daniel Jones, who looks like he's going to get drafted into a starting position, if he you know gets the job early on, I think he has a chance to give us more rushing than we might expect heading in. Yeah, I think Daniel Jones and Drew Locke to me are
1: sort of in the same category where I think that there's issues with both guys. As passers, I mean, you look at the college numbers, they're not impressive. Locke completed just 57% of his career passes. Um, Jones was at 60%. But I think both do, like you said, have sneaky rushing upside. Jones showed it in college, Um, and he he was a 79th percentile spark guy at the Combine. Locke didn't have the rushing production, um, just 409 total yards across his three full seasons as a starter. But he was 76 percentile spark score at the combine, so I think there might be some some you know more hidden rushing ability with Drew Lock. So I think that's the argument for them that if either guy can make it as a you know long term NFL starter, that they could be a you know Andy Dalton to Aaron
0: Rodgers type as far as rushing production goes at the NFL level. Yeah, I, I saw Jay Cutler thrown out there as a Drew Lock comparison too. I think that might be also a good um, kind of meter for expectations on these guys. You know, they they could both be useful as fantasy quarterbacks at some point, but it would have to be round four of a rookie draft before I'm giving them a look. And I skip over Haskins basically because I think somebody's going to take him before I would be interested in taking quarterback behind Kyler Murray. So I honestly, I don't I don't really care <laughs> about Haskins outlook at
1: this point. I'll, it depends on landing spot and supporting cast, but Haskins just to me looks like someone who will never ascend beyond like 10th among quarterbacks in fantasy points. Cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's an elite
0: passer. And again, he's not going to give you any rushing production. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see where Will Greer from West Virginia goes. Um, He's not consistently among top prospects, not mentioned as a first round candidate in most places, but he has some big fans out there. I know Matt Waldman in particular from Football Guys does the rookie scouting portfolio every year. Um, Matt Waldman has Will Greer number one among quarterbacks ahead of Kyler Murray. Um, So that kind of ranking makes me take notice and I'll be curious to see where Will Greer lands. And then to a lesser degree, Ryan Finley who also tends to fall down the board, but also has a few scattered fans out there that say, this guy is better than most people think he is.
1: Yeah, I saw a decent amount of Finley watching uh, Kelvin Harmon and, and Jacoby Myers, and he, he he flashed a bit, I'll say. But Will Greer is my quarterback five, and I wouldn't be surprised at all, at all if he ends up being you know, the second or third best quarterback in this class. Um, completed 66% of his passes over the past two seasons at West Virginia. He got a better Pro football focus passing grade last year, then Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones. Um he finished sixth in this class and adjusted completion rate. So I, I think he 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 had some ability as a passer, and he's a decent athlete again, where he could, you know, give
0: you some sneaky rushing ability as a pro. Yeah, and I know Josh Hermsmeyer, um, Frisco Josh on Twitter has been working some with accuracy, projecting accuracy, proje- like Uh, putting together this composite with accuracy and and depth of uh, targets and where a quarterback plays. And I know Will Greer came out high on his scale of likely to succeed in the NFL um, that he has been developing this offseason. So, you know, again, Will Greer, an interesting guy, but also his general perception, another reason why I'm not jumping on anybody between Kyler Murray and the late round options here.
1: Yeah, and, and Greer's not going to go in the first round, but I think it'd be promising for him if he, if he can can land somewhere in the second. Do you like anyone else at the, at the position at all? No. I mean, I I could throw out names like Tyree Jackson just because he's big and athletic out of uh, Buffalo. But, I mean, the odds of him making it as an
0: NFL starter are, are very slim. Right. I think We have our... Our pre-draft rankings, where each of us put together our own boards, are going to come out uh, on DraftTricks.com early this coming week. And I threw Tyree Jackson and Easton Stick from North Dakota State into the bottom of my list, basically because I'm not picking anybody down there anyway. So uh, the two guys that can run the ball, I find a little interesting. Easton Stick, it, okay. First of all, Tyree Jackson's a monster, size wise and athleticism wise. Easton Stick is not. He's six foot one, two twenty four. Uh, which is, you know, much more average for uh, quarterback size, but 87th percentile 40-yard dash, ran for 2,523 yards in his career, topped 650 rushing yards each of his final three seasons following Carson Wentz at North Dakota State. 41 rushing touchdowns, 29 of them over the past two years, um, and 61% completions for the career. So not a terrific number, but not a bad number through 28 touchdown passes each of the past two years. So if he lands somewhere interesting, then maybe at the very end of the draft or more likely in free agent territory, I'd, I'd be willing to give him a look.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see how high he goes in the draft, you know, how, how the NFL views him. Tyree Jackson, <laughs> how, how is he much different than Josh Allen, honestly? I mean, I, I think they're very similar players. It's just the NFL became a not enamored with Josh Allen. He became a first round pick. He is, you know, going to get four years, you know, you know, to prove himself at minimum as NFL starter, Where Tyree Jackson's probably going to go in the fifth round. And, you know, his odds of ever getting a chance to start are, are slim. I and mean, I think, you know, that's sort of all that separates them. But it, I, I think if Jackson did get a shot to
0: start, you know, his athleticism would, would make him an interesting fantasy guy. I think there's one obvious difference between those guys that might have affected things, but we won't address that here. Yeah, six seven two forty nine. So even bigger than Josh Allen is yeah. Tyree Jackson. Huge, huge arm. For completion rate. Yep, huge arm. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get away from the quarterbacks now and move to tight end because that is a much more exciting group. And it's, it's normally not a group that I'm at all excited about rookie draft time, but I think it's an excellent group this year. Um, as I mentioned earlier this offseason, the Dynasty Refocus article for tight end, um, I think it was back in early March, Uh, We're due for an influx of young talent at this position in the NFL overall. Um, Just to recap, the average age of the top 12 PPR scores at tight end dipped through the early 2000s after climbing past uh, 28. Then it began to gradually climb since 2004. It peaked at just over 29 years of age in 2016 and 2017, then down to 27.4 last year. We just saw Rob Gronkowski retire until further notice. Uh, Antonio Gates might be kind of pushed into retirement this offseason. Jimmy Graham looks like he's close to that. Jason Witten's trying to fight back (laughs) against the age trend. But overall, we're due for more youth at tight end. And I think that this class looks ready to inject it.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- this is the best tight end class I, I can remember in, in quite a few years now. I mean, I, I know the it, David Njoku-Evan Ingram class was good. I think this class, at least from a depth perspective, might be even better.
0: Yeah, I mean, 2017, we had Howard, Evan Ingram, David and Njoku all in the first round, and then George Kittle in round five. Um, but otherwise, that class is not looking like it's going to turn special outside of those four guys. Last year was a decent group, but Hayden Hurst was the only guy in the first round. Then we had Mike Jasicki. Dallas Goddard in the next round. We'll see what Mark Andrews, Ian Thomas, Chris Herndon become. And then, other than those two groups, you had to go all the way back, I think, to 2013 to find really a, a good tight end class with Zach Gertz in the second, Travis Kelsey in the third, and Jordan Reed um, in there. And even that, not a whole lot beyond those guys.
1: Right. Yeah. So I I did some digging into um, rookie tight end production, and it you know I, I've always been the avoid rookie tight ends and, and redraft and even try to avoid them in dynasty leagues because you know they, they tend to struggle as rookies and you can often acquire them cheaper after they you know kind of disappoint in year run but lately rookie tight ends have been making impact so since the nfl merger in 1970 39 rookie tight ends have posted 100 plus ppr points seven of those 39 have come just over the last four years so that's 18% of the tight ends that have posted a hundred plus PPR points have come over the last 8% of the, of the time span we're looking at. Nice. So again, I think, I mean, I think these guys are about to talk about, especially these top four, um, you know, you, you, you might not be able to, to wait and trade for them next year. And again, I think that's why I know Hawkinson and Fant both sit inside the top 10, I believe
0: in both of our overall rankings. Yeah, and I think there's enough hype around all of these guys that it's going to be harder than usual even if they have uh fairly quiet debut seasons. I think it's going to be harder than usual to get that year 2, year 3 discount, right? Um because they are players that people go in excited about and players likely to go in round 1. And let you you know, you mentioned TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant are one two on both of our boards, right?
1: Yep. I, I have Hawkinson one. Um, I can see an argument for Fant because the, the argument for Fant would be that he, he's going to be more of just a pure receiver at the next level. Whereas, you know, you, you could say that Hawkinson's blocking ability might actually hurt him. I'm not sure I buy that. I think it's just going to keep him on the field for, you know, 80 to 90% of the snaps. And i I think he's just as good a pass catcher as Noah Fant, even if he's not athletic. And Hawkinson is still athletic. I mean, Fant got all the pub at the combine, but Hawkinson was an 85th percentile spark guy.
0: Yeah, Hawkinson's 102.9 speed score is only eighth in this loaded tight end class, but it's 74th percentile for the position overall in the NFL. So he's a, he's a tremendous, you know, size speed candidate even if this class kind of water dilutes what he looks like. Yeah. Also ranked 4th in the class in yards per route run, 8th in slot receptions among tight ends, 11th in slot yards. You know, you mentioned he's a good blocker. I I, I don't think that's going to hurt him. I think it'll help him if anything by getting him on the field earlier. And I think a, a lot of NFL teams really at this point employ a blocking tight end and a receiving tight end.
1: Yeah, Hawkinson also had just one drop on 50 catchable targets this past season. And you watch the tape, and a lot of his catches come in heavy traffic. So
0: he, he has the super reliable hands. Um, you, you can't say the same for Noah Fant. Both of them look good. They both look good in their own ways. Hawkinson uh, seems like the the can't, the can't more can't miss, I guess, or the biggest can't miss, quote-unquote, in the class. Noah Fant, number two, though, as we mentioned, he had a top-of-the-class speed score, Four and a half second 40 at 241 pounds, 97th percentile vertical, 95th percentile broad jump, 95th percentile three cone. Only one player has had an historical match by athletic testing on mock draftable of 80% or more with him. So that shows how kind of a rare athlete he is because normally we can find guys who have 85%, 90% matches. There's only one guy in the 80% range. And Noah Fant produced, even though he was playing on the same team with Hawkinson, sixth in yards per route run, sixth in deep yards among tight ends. All these according to Pro Football Focus. Third in slot yards at the position, despite being 13th in slot receptions. Noah Fant was actually... Uh, they got to Iowa together. Noah Fant started playing right away um, and was and outproduced Hawkinson in their second year. Then mm-hmm. um, Hawkinson passed him last year.
1: Right, yeah. Hawkinson had more catches and yards than Fant last year. Fant still led the team with seven touchdowns. He had eleven touchdowns back in two thousand seventeen. So he he led Iowa in, in touchdowns each of his last two seasons there. Um, yeah. You hear some people knock Fant's blocking and, you know, basically calling him an oversized receiver. I, I thought he was a better blocker than he's given credit for on tape. And Pro Football Focus agrees. They PFF actually gave Fant a better pass blocking grade this past season than Hawkinson. And their, their run blocking grades were in the same ballpark. Hawkinson beat him by about nine points on the scale of 100. So I, again, I think, you know, Fant isn't someone who's going to have to come off the field because he can't
0: block. I think he's capable in that area. Yeah, and let's hope that neither of these guys spends much time pass blocking. <laughs> in there. So, um, and did you say both of these guys are inside the top 10 overall for you? Yes, I have Hawkinson eighth overall and Fant ninth overall. Yeah, I'm going for those guys in the same range um, because uh, even though I think it's a, there's, it's a tight end class deep on talent, I don't love the running backs, as I've said, and the wide receivers, I think that I can still get a good guy in round two and I want to get, one of these top tight ends. There are fallback options if I don't get a top tight end, but I want to get one of these guys if I can.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's about acquiring difference makers. And I think, you know, a lot of times we talk about the top tight ends in draft classes and and, and we're saying, you know, you know this guy could be a tight end one in, in two or three years. I think Hawkinson and Fant could be top three to five tight ends within the next one to two years
0: now. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three on the board, uh, Jace Sternberger. and I believe he's your number three as well, right? Nope, I have Irv Smith 3 and Sternberger 4. Oh, well, I'm going to talk about Sternberger first then. Gets lost a little bit athletically because of how strong this group is, but he drew the highest receiving grade of any tight end this year from pro football focus. Had numbers, 48 catches, 832 yards, 10 touchdowns in his lone season at Texas A&M. Fifth in the class in market share of receptions. Fourth in market share of yardage. First in market share of touchdowns. It, took, it caught 40%. Of Texas A&M's touchdown passes. The next guys were Keenan Brown at 33.3%. Talk more about him in a couple of minutes. Caleb Wilson at UCLA at 30.8% and then Fant at 25.9%. So um, Sternberger was ahead by a pretty healthy margin in that range. He still tested well athletically. Um, Speed score is still solid. It's above average for NFL tight ends but he he gets lost a little bit on that front just because of how strong the rest of the class is there.
1: Yeah, I was honestly surprised he didn't test better at the Combine. I think on tape, he, he looks like a plus athlete, especially at his size. Um, my, my biggest knock against Sternberger is just that he does have that one year of production. You know, He, he had one catch across two years at Kansas. Then he transferred to a junior college before um, arriving at Texas A&M for just one year. But yeah, I like the tape. Greg Cosell has Jay Sternberger at as his number two tight end in this class, ahead of Noah Fant even. C- Cosell comps Jay Sternberger to to Travis Kelsey. So, you know, high high praise there. And, again, I think Sternberger, probably not quite the upside of Hawkinson. You know, definitely not the upside of Hawkinson and Fant, but, um, you know, he's a guy who definitely looks like a fantasy starter um, in the near future.
0: And I don't think the upside is far away from Hawkinson and Fant.
1: It's just, I mean, the, the lack of a- athleticism, at least, you know, at the combine, makes me say that. But again, if I didn't have those testing numbers, I, I would have said Sternberger is, you know, at least, you know, in the upper half of of
0: tight ends in in athleticism. And I think that the, we can overrate those um, athleticism scores, especially when we're talking about guys who are going to have to make a lot of these plays in traffic and you know in tight spaces where uh, the a three cones really not going to end up mattering a whole lot for uh, a tight, for most of these tight ends. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, so Irv Smith, give me the case for him.
1: Irv Smith's my um, number three guy, and you know he he sort of like Sternberger. He only has just one season of big production at Alabama, but it was nice last season. Forty four catches, seven hundred ten yards, and seven scores. Sixteen point one yards per catch. Um, he he finished fourth on a stacked Alabama team in all four of those receiving categories, and he did it at twenty years old. He's he, he's one of the youngest prospects. At any position in this draft class, uh, you know, which I like, I think it hints at f- further upside. Ersmith um, tied with Caleb Wilson for tops in this year's tight end class in yards per route run last season. Last season, so he was efficient. Um, he is more of that undersized type. That I don't think is going to do a whole lot of blocking at the NFL
0: level, which again, you know, might might help his his fantasy cause. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty to like here too. Another well above average speed score. Um, might be smaller, but he's not, you know, too small. He's similar in size to, um, Noah Fant. A little bit shorter, but same weight at the combine. Um, a, a downfield threat, which is only going to help with yardage efficiency. Of course, that'll depend some on on where he lands. An average run blocker, which is enough. We don't need him to block. We just need him to block well enough to get on the field and to and produced well as a slot receiver. Um, I, I think we're going to see. I think we're going to continue seeing, where playing at Alabama. Uh, might hurt the overall numbers for a lot of these guys because most of their classmates are going to be coming from far less stacked offenses. But just like O.J. Howard had his numbers limited, he has showed that the athleticism shown through there and has helped him deliver early in the NFL. I don't see why Irv Smith can't be on a similar trajectory.
1: Yeah. And again, that's why you got to look at some of the efficiency stuff. Like, I mean, the guy averaged 16.1 yards per catch as a tight end. That's a huge number, You know, again, tied for number one in yards per route run mm-hmm. who you have at number five I have Caleb Wilson at number five um Caleb Wilson is you know the the Evan Ingram of this class where he, he's basically a big wide receiver uh, 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 yeah a, a big wide receiver kind of you know masked a, as a tight end he, he's not going to block at the next level but I think if he's you know good enough to get on the field he's going to make a, a big impact in the passing game led UCLA this past season with 60 catches for 900 65 yards that was 25 percent of the team's catches 34 percent of the receiving yards also at 31 percent of the team's touchdowns so, you know th- those would be nice market share numbers for a wide receiver and we're talking about a tight end again Wilson tied with Irv Smith for tops in this class in yards per route run um, he ran a four five six forty time at 240 pounds um, so you know, he can definitely get down the field
0: yeah, um, Caleb Wilson's interesting because he's a, a favorite, I think, on the analytics side because of all the measurables and the market share. And then he doesn't seem to be nearly as popular among the you know strict film watching crew. Yep. I, I didn't, I wasn't able to find a lot of his 2018 tape. I think it was mostly 2017 stuff that I found, and he didn't look as fast and athletic as I was expecting him to. Um, but you know, it, it's at the same time, it's one of those where the market share is there and the athletic testing is there. It makes me not worry about that part. I have, it, he was duking it out with Josh Oliver for five, six for me. And I think it'll probably come down to where they land in the NFL draft, who they go to. I, I settled on Josh Oliver at five because he, his tape was excellent. I mean, I honestly didn't know a whole lot about him before I, I went and watched him, but I mean, he, he, Looks apart first in the class in deep ball yards. Um, so those are passes that go 20 plus yards in the air, according to Pro Football Focus. Second among these tight ends in slot receptions, first in slot yards. Um, a below average run blocker, I don't care as long as he gets on the field. That might be the kind of thing where it, it slows his early um snap count and, and maybe affects his numbers that way. So maybe he's not as good a bet for early production as the top guys that we mentioned, but. Josh Oliver looks like a guy who's going to be a significant receiver in his NFL offense.
1: Yeah, I I was impressed by his tape too. I do think you need to factor in that it came against lower level uh, competition. He was playing at San Jose State. Um, Oliver is another guy who had just one big season too. So those would be my knocks against him. But I, I do agree that he looks like a pass catching type at tight end. And I, I think that's the point. Once you get beyond those top four guys, which I, I think it's a pretty clear top four in this class. Mm-hmm. Once you get beyond those guys, you need to be looking for the types of tight ends who, if they hit, if they earn playing time, are going to be pass catchers for their teams and be putting up fantasy numbers for us.
0: Yeah, I agree with it being a, a pretty clear top four. Um, and we talked about where we would have the two Iowa tight ends, which is a similar range. Um, so beyond those guys, where would you slot Sternberger and Irv Smith and then, you know, Caleb Wilson, Josh Oliver?
1: Yep. So I have Irv Smith at um, 22nd overall and Jay Sternberger at 27th overall. So, you know, talking late second, early third
0: round of rookie drafts. Yeah, I'm, I would look Sternberger earlier in round two. I mean, near the one two turn. And I think probably our big difference is that you're going after the running backs earlier than I am. I, I'm yeah. fine with sitting back and waiting to see who's there in round three, because I think there are probably going to be some running backs that I like relative to the class, even at that point. So, uh, you know, obviously if I take TJ Hawkinson in round one, I'm probably not going to take Jay Sternberger in the middle of round two, but if I get Kyler Murray or if I take something else in round one, then I I would like Sternberger earlier than later. And I would have Irv Smith in that round two as well um, with Josh Oliver, probably in round three.
1: Sure. And and of course, I mean, especially when you get further down the rankings, I think landing spot should matter more. So, you know, a week from now, when we know where all these guys are going to be playing, um, you know, they could be higher or lower in the ranks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. NFL draft position, where they go in the draft and where they, which specific teams they land with are certainly going to change these, um, even uh, potentially the top fives beyond these top six players that we just talked about. Uh, any sleepers for you at the position?
1: Yeah, I'm going to mention, I, I believe it's Cahal Waring. He's from San Diego State.
0: Um, I, I, Kahale Waring, actually. What is it? Kahale Waring. Really? Yep. Kahale Waring. Pronunciation. <laughs> okay, yeah. He's a
1: guy that I've seen some film types really like, because he, he, beyond TJ Hawkinson, might be the best blocker at tight end in this draft class. And he's an he's an interesting story. He didn't play football until his senior year of high school in 2014. So he's a guy who, you know, theoretically should have a lot more upside to come. And you look at his numbers, only 31 catches, 372 yards, three touchdowns last year. But that came in a run-heavy San Diego State offense. He actually led the team in catches, finished second in receiving yards, tied for the team lead in touchdowns. So he's a guy, I think, um, you know, in the middle round of the NFL draft, um, you know, could be an interesting sleeper to see where he lands.
0: Yeah, and he was another good-looking good, good looking one on tape. Um, as you mentioned, started football late, but played a bunch of other sports before that. Water polo, swimming, cross-country, tennis, soccer, and basketball, all at the high school level. I got all this from uh, Dane Brugler's uh, NFL you know, prospect report for The Athletic. Um, he has him as his number four overall tight end. Uh, Waring was a walk-on at San Diego State, earned a scholarship in 2017, then left after his junior season. Uh, You mentioned the market share looked better than the raw numbers, but a a player that should be growing should have upside beyond what he's done to this point and and fun to watch. So I, I agree with him as a top sleeper. And there are lots of other guys in this class that where we got to watch where they land. Um, Stanford's Caden Smith, Utah State's Dax Raymond, a couple of guys from the SEC, Dawson Knox at Mississippi, Foster Moreau at LSU has a, a bunch of closet fans uh, I wasn't able to find a whole lot of tape on those two guys, but their measurables are terrific. They have some fans out there, so I'll be curious to see where they go. There's just – there are a bunch of tight ends where this will be a position to not forget about it right up until the end of rookie drafts with, with guys worth taking a shot on. You can't find tape on Dawson Knox because he caught like 12 balls in,
1: in his entire college career, but he, he did evidently blow up his pro day. Um, so, yeah, he's he's
0: someone to keep keep an eye on. Yep. And then Drew Sample was another one who tested strongly. I think he's in PFF's top 10 at tight end here. So uh, a class that'll be interesting to watch on draft weekend. And that's gonna do it for this episode of the podcast, which wraps up our pre prospect preview series. We're now less than a week away from the NFL draft. Our individual pre-draft rankings will hit draftsharks.com early in the coming week. You can see our starting points, where we differ with each other on these players, and who might create some arguments once they have NFL draft and NFL landing spots. Then of course the draft will start next Thursday. We'll be reacting to it live as it happens. We'll We'll of course have shark bites going. We'll be on Twitter. We'll probably do some periscoping, right? Like we did last year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. A couple of draft reaction podcasts coming after the picks. Then it'll be time to finalize these rookie rankings for dynasty purposes. Quickly after that, you're going to find our 2019 projections by request. We are going to be publishing those much earlier than usual on draftsharks.com. So make sure you're a DS insider for all that stuff. Be ready for all that content that helps you dominate your draft every year. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at Draft Sharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at SchaufDS. It's S C H A U F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.